All right, we welcome you back. And we welcome you, those that are watching online here. Okay. Cool. All right. Good deal. Let the kids get back. We had a, yeah, it was a fun time. Luke and Bethany and the family were out at a 40 and under retreat in Lexington, so we got to hang out with them a little bit there. And then they uh, came. We had supper with them last night and uh, just had a great time. And we got a kick out of Ezekiel's the youngest, so he's a year and a half year old. So the older ones were in the kitchen, and we we're talking about is the time for breakfast and getting that ready. He's a smart kid, folks. We said nothing to him. He goes out into our dining room, gets in his, his booster seat, and he's all ready to roll, man. <laughs> Nobody had to tell him it's time to eat. So he, uh, he was a good, smart kid. So uh, we're going to turn it over to Luke and Bethany and uh, let them share with us. So. All right. My name is Luke Storer, and uh, my wife Bethany and I, we are your missionary associates with Africa's Hope. And we're just so pleased to worship with you this morning. It's just been so great to see each of you, to worship with you. And we want to express our heartfelt gratitude to this church for your giving, for your prayer, for your thoughtfulness, your support. Missionaries can't do the ministries that they have unless they have people who join on their team through that monthly support, through those gifts, through those prayers, those important partners that are back here in the States that make it so missionaries can go. And uh, you guys are important partners with us and with the other missionaries that you support every single month. You are an important part, a vital role for each of those families. Uh, when, when you get on the field, you have your share of difficulties. When you're in Africa, there's challenges with learning the culture. There's challenges with sickness, with tummy bugs. Uh, there's challenges with the visa and, and getting permission to stay in the country, all sorts of things like that, a- and they can, they can be really challenging. There were some times where we had kids with nightmares, uh, some kids got really sick at one point, and when you're on the other side of the world and you're facing these things, it's such a comfort and an encouragement to know that when we, when we post something on Facebook or send out an email or whatever it is, that there are people who jump on and say, we're going to pray with you. We're going to partner with you and help you through this time. And you guys are, are some of those people. We're so thankful for your generosity, your kindness to us, and we really appreciate it. Now, I don't know how many of you remember the last time we here, but were here, but it was four years ago in November. And life has a way of changing, and your direction changes over time. So when we were here, we were raising money. We thought we were going to the Arab world, to Armenia. And that changed. (laughs) Circumstances changed. Plans changed. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he started out on his second missionary journey, he had ideas of where he was going to go and what he was going to do. But each time he tried going to one place, the Holy Spirit stopped him. He started going this way, and the Spirit of Jesus said, don't go that way. He tried, he tried all these things and kept running into obstacles. And sometimes God directs our paths through the obstacles that come along. Now, sometimes he wants us to push through those things in faith. And other times, it's him saying, no, not this way. 
I want you to go this way. And for Paul, it was kind of this trial and error thing until finally he's, he's sleeping. And, and I, I believe it's a, a dream at night. It says a vision. It might have been a waking time of prayer. But he has this vision of this man from Macedonia saying, come over here. We need your help over here. And it was from there that they concluded God was leading them to Macedonia and to the ministry that they had there. so important that we don't hold tightly onto our plans for the future. That we don't hold on to it so tightly that we're unwilling to let the Spirit of God direct us in new ways. Ultimately, our calling isn't to a specific place. Our calling is to follow Jesus. And we follow Jesus, and wherever He leads us, we, we head out that way, and maybe, maybe we don't hear anything for a while. Well, the last thing I knew, I was supposed to go this way. And so we might not even really know what God is saying, but last, last instructions I got were head this way. And so we keep going that way, and then he directs us, and sometimes it's in a completely new direction that we weren't intending. And he can lead us in a new direction, and a new direction. The important thing isn't the specific place, and the important thing isn't to hold on to our, our plans for the future, but our, our call is to trust him and to be following Jesus every day, wherever he leads Whatever happened. So after thinking we were going to Armenia, we ended up raising support to go to Malawi, Africa. And we're going to show you on a map where Malawi is. It's this narrow landlocked country. We'll do one more here to show. There it is. Narrow landlocked country in southern Africa. And we lived in the capital city in Lalongwe. We'll do one more slide here to show you where specifically that is in the center there. And before going to Africa... We lived in Mullen, Nebraska. Does anyone know where Mullen is in the Sand Hills? It's a small town of 500 people. And we lived there for over eight years. And so when we got there, a city of a million people took some adjusting. <laughs> and not all of Malawi looks like this, though. There, there are small villages as well. The majority of people don't actually live in the cities. They live in rural places. And here they don't have indoor plumbing. They don't have electricity in their homes. And most people don't have cars. They find other ways to get around. We'll do one more here. There we go. <laughs> you might see someone riding a bike and they have a goat tied on the back. Or they have like six chickens hanging from the front handlebars that they're carrying on that bike. A lot of people have to walk to get from place to place. Every day to go, they go to the market to buy their food. And then they'll carry their loads on top of their heads. Now, we weren't in Malawi alone. We were there with a, a team of missionaries. And here's our, our amazing team that went with us. These are people who love God. And they've given up living with the comforts, the conveniences of living in the United States to follow God's call and so that God's kingdom grows in Africa. Our time in Malawi was filled with unforgettable memories. This country is known as the warm heart of Africa because of all the, the friendly people here. And we truly made some wonderful friends in our time there. Let's do one more slide, too. I'm going to share a video with you. This is the kids talking about Malawi. And it was recorded a year ago, so the, their ages are, are one number down from what they are now. But the the experience in experiences in Malawi were fresh in their minds and so we wanted to share that video with you.
and it might take a moment. So if it takes a moment, I can just fill it with talking. Our ministry in Malawi focused on teaching at the Bible school, and here's our video. I'm Luke. I'm Bethany. And we're the Storers. Hi, I'm Deborah, and I'm 11 years old. I'm Ezra, and I'm nine. Yeah. I'm Nehemiah, and I'm seven. I'm Simeon, and I'm five. Mine as a girl. My name's oh. Esther, and how old am I? I'm old, two old, yeah. Two years old. What kind of animals are in Africa? We saw elephants, elephants, and we saw and then we saw Udua and some zebras. When we went to churches, when we sang, we danced, and I thought it was a lot of fun. to the pastor's house and eat in Sema and we ate with our hands and I really enjoyed the mangoes. When we were in Africa, we would play with our African friends. I like playing with my friends. Me too. Me too. Me too. We would play soccer and we would, we want to put a tire in the tree and when we were in Malawi, I played with my friend Owen and rided my bike. We lived in Malawi, encouraging the church and training pastors for ministry. Today, Luke is working with Africa's Hope, preparing materials to equip Bible schools all across the continent. Our ministry in Malawi focused on teaching at the Bible School, Malawi Assemblies of God Institute of Theology, or MAGIT. And we were learning the language, the culture. We were building relationships with people. We ministered in their churches. Oh, I'm not, I'm going to get ahead of the slides because it takes a moment to get everything switched back and forth. But we ministered in the churches. We prayed with people. I do this uh, ministry where I dress up in costume as a Bible character and retell the Bible story, and I told the story of Pentecost many times. We prayed for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We prayed for God to do miracles in their lives. And you played an important part in this ministry through your partnership. Let's skip through some of these slides the school. Building relationships. Do the next one. Some of the churches are very small, simple buildings. There didn't have any glass in the windows. And some of the churches are a lot shinier with 
uh, new floors, and uh, there's a big variety in what they're like. This one was just built with whatever they could have and had some carpet in part of it, and part of it was just dirt floor. Retelling the story of Pentecost, you can see my translator was doing a great job beside me. Do the next one. Praying for people. I'm going to let Bethany come up and share about a friend of ours. So I first went to Malawi back when I was in college before I ever came here to Crete. And um, I met a pastor named Charity Kumwinda, and she has an amazing story I want to share with you. Charity was the second wife and favored wife of a chief, and then she learned about Jesus and accepted him as her savior. After becoming a Christian, she began to feel that it was no longer right for her to live as the second wife of a chief. So she went out on her own with her children, and in, the, in her journey, she felt God calling her to preach the gospel. She studied at the Malawi Assemblies of God Institute of Theology and entered ministry. Women across Nebraska helped give to um, women's ministry, and one of those projects was scholarships, and um, she got a scholarship to help her with tuition. Charity planted multiple churches and continued her training. She completed her master's degree again with the help of gifts from the ladies in Nebraska. Today, she pastors a church investing in the life of her young associate pastor, Luca. He was that translator that you just saw a blur of his hand. <laughs> That's not all she is doing to invest in the next generation of leaders. She's now one of the instructors at the Bible school where she received training. When missionaries invest in training pastors, powerful things can happen. But there are challenges, obstacles that get in the way of training pastors. In Malawi, I helped teach a class of 50 students. They had only five textbooks for the whole class. This is a common problem in Africa. Even if there are enough textbooks, the students don't own them. They only get to use them for the, the duration of the class, and then they give them back. And that's why we're so excited to be a part of the ministry with Africa's Hope. Africa's Hope is helping meet the needs of those students at Bible schools. In fact, last year, the Malawi Institute of Theology began using the new Discovery Series books that Africa's Hope developed. This isn't all that Africa's Hope does. Here's a video that tells some more about what Africa's Hope does. This is Africa a continent with a history of economic hardship, societal volatility, and spiritual darkness. Despite these challenges, Christianity has been writing a new narrative of hope over the last three decades. In 1988, church leaders from across Africa gathered to cast a vision of growth from 2 million to 15 million adherents. But for this to be possible, the number of trained ministers would have to increase exponentially to support that commitment, Africa's Hope was launched as a training resource ministry. To train leaders, there was an urgent need to build new Bible schools and expand existing campuses. These needed to be continually resourced with Bibles, curriculum, and technology. 
We produce training material written by authors who know the African context. Those materials are then prepared by our team of editors and typesetters to ensure the highest quality. Through this process, we have created our certificate and diploma level curriculum called the Discovery Series and discipleship resources such as Living the Truth and Roots of Faith. Students love these texts, but learning is a challenge when English is not their first language. We are committed to translating them into 16 heart languages, the languages in which these students dream, pray, and listen to God. With a growing number of schools utilizing these texts, it's a challenge to get them into students' hands, considering the vast size and complexity of Africa. We ship our resources using suitcases, crates, and large shipping containers. We also print on the continent using print-on-demand systems to increase accessibility among schools in remote areas. Some of our resources are also made available as e-books on tablets and as audiobooks on audio disciple devices. In many areas, students cannot afford school tuition fees, so we provide scholarships to invest in those who feel called to gospel ministry. Students and graduates who don't have their own Bible are supplied study Bibles in their heart language. Our educational advancement team connects with national and Bible school leadership to enhance academic capacity, resource educational tools, and sponsor conferences to train and equip local leaders. All of these areas of ministry sum up what we do. Why we do it is because spirit-empowered, biblically trained leaders are the hope of Africa. It is such a privilege to be a part of this ministry, doing such amazing things. Africa's Hope serves 357 Bible schools and extension centers all across the continent with over 23,000 students studying for ministry. And they're doing a wonderful, wonderful things. If you want to have access to that video that I just showed, this circle card on my table back there has a QR code, and you can grab one of these if you want. Other things on the table back there are our prayer card, picture of our family that you can take and pray for us. But this one is a little bit outdated. The little baby in there is Esther. And so we've got one like this, just a picture of our family, if you prefer to take that with you. This is our most recent picture. And you're welcome to grab those things. We so appreciate your prayers. I get so excited about training people for ministry. Uh, this is so important. Theological training is so important. We can't just lead people to the Lord at an altar call or at a church service, have, have people led in a sinner's prayer and think, well, that's enough. We've done it. Believers need to be discipled. They need to learn the truth of the Bible. Pastors especially need to know the Bible. They must be able to teach their people to be able to distinguish what is true and what is false. You know, you can know what the words of the Bible say and be, still be led astray. People can use the Bible to teach false things, to teach lies, and that is a, a huge problem in Africa. That are, there are people who are abusing the role of pastor, who are abusing the scriptures, and using it for their own financial gain. The pastors in Africa are passionate and enthusiastic, but they need training. We've got a slide here with Proverbs 19.2. And it tells us, even zeal is no good without knowledge. And he who hurries his footsteps 
misses the mark. It's like a person who comes to a door that says pull, and they're pushing on it with all their might. Zeal is no good without knowledge. you got to know that the way this door works is you pull on it. It might help if you can read. So <laughs> zeal without knowledge isn't any good. And so it's wonderful how passionate and enthusiastic these pastors are, but they need a firm grasp on how to interpret the Bible, how to preach, how to minister. And those Discovery Series books that you heard Bethany talk about, they mentioned them in the video, those are three years of pastoral training that we're working on developing. The goal is to have 36 titles by 2024. We've got a few more to get there, uh, and it's a lot of work to start with nothing, write it, review it, edit it, typeset it. All of those things are important steps that need to happen to get these books to where they're ready to print. And then once they're printed, they're in English, then there's a whole other process for getting it into all those languages. And so that is much of what Africa's Hope is doing. Church growth in Africa is really amazing. It is amazing how fast people are coming to Christ, how fast they plant churches, uh, but we need to make sure that there is depth to that faith. We need to make sure that it's rooted, that it's established, that there's a foundation, because otherwise when the winds and the waves come, that faith can come crashing down. And so we believe that spirit-empowered, biblically-trained leaders are the hope of Africa. In Malawi, I did whatever I could to bring the classroom teaching to life, to really help things sink in. And I really enjoyed the opportunities that I had. Some special memories include when we practiced water baptisms. And then there was the day when I taught about servant leadership. I wanted to make sure they understood an important concept. That the pastor isn't the chief of the church. He isn't the most important person in the church that everybody comes and serves. He's not the chief. He's the chief servant. And so I taught them about Jesus coming and how he, he took off his outer garment and he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. And Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and Master, have served you, you need to serve one another. The greatest among us, Jesus said, are the ones who are ready to serve. Pastors must keep a humble heart be ready to take the lowest position, even the position of a servant. Now I'd like to come back to the kids' song that they sang. I can't help but feel a little down, a little worried when I look around, but that's why I know my hope is in the Lord. It's easy to feel worried, to feel concerned about life circumstances. I don't know where your deepest, your, your worries that are most affecting your life are right now, whether it's the bigger global things, the national things, or whether it's just really close to home. It might be some things with family relationships or with finances right now. You might be struggling with, with some work issues or, or maybe face some health concerns. Whatever it is, it's easy to catch ourselves with our lives filled with anxiety plagued by worry, and we need to remember where our hope comes from. Our hope isn't based on the changing circumstances around us. Our hope 
is in the Lord. He's got this. He's got this. We can trust him. Our hope is on a firm foundation. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, we don't like to hear it, but sometimes it's for our best that hard things happen in our lives. It's not fun for us, but it is good for our faith. It causes us to put our hope where it really matters. So it's not my job, my hard work that provide for me and my family. No, God is the provider. It's not my body that gives me strength, my great immune system. No, God is the source of my strength. It's not the government who provides stability and security. Jesus is the rock. Beginning in 2020, all of our lives were disrupted by COVID-19. We were in Malawi, and we were asked to stay home. We couldn't go to churches. The churches weren't supposed to meet for a while. I think some of them did anyhow. <laughs> and and we, were, we were advised to stay at home, stay at with the other missionaries in, in our area. And uh, here you guys were asked not to come to meet together as a church. Your schools stopped meeting the way they normally do. And, and for Malawi, they, they shut down their borders. No flights in, no flights out. And so the U.S. Embassy, they, they start working on things and they warn us, the medical system here isn't exactly ideal. <laughs> If you get a serious case of, of COVID, there's nothing they're going to be able to do for you. So you assess your situation and your needs and, and decide what's best for your family. We're going to make one opportunity to fly people out of here, and you decide if you need to be on that flight or not. And so some of our missionary families decided, there was one family that decided to stay and weather the storm there in Malawi, and they, they were able to do that, and I think that's so awesome, and they didn't have any any difficulties with that. Uh, but there were, there were other families that we decided it's time for us to, to leave the country. For us, we were expecting Ezekiel at the time. And uh, we decided it was the safest, best plan for us to take that repatriation flight back to the U.S. So we've got a picture. I think I've skipped around. Try to find the one with the airplane. Uh, but even when things are uncertain, God has good plans. A and, and God has good plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse for difficult times. In this verse, God was speaking to his people. His people had disobeyed him. They had rejected him, and now they're living with the consequences. Their homes were destroyed. They'd been taken prisoners as into exile in a foreign land. Things did not look good. But in these circumstances, God gave them a promise. Jeremiah 29, 11 I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God allowed this hardship in their lives because He knew it would result in His people turning to Him. Next verse says, Then you will call upon me, 
and come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found for you by you. When you find yourself in that difficult situation, then you're going to call upon me and you're going to come pray to me. And what will happen? God promises to listen. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You remember playing hide and seek as a kid? Did you ever have somebody who was so good at it that it wasn't any fun anymore? <laughs> like you, you, if, if you can't find somebody, the, the game stops being fun. And God isn't going to do that to you. He's not going to hide from you. He says, when you seek me, you're going to find me and I will be found by you. God wants us to seek, to really seek after him with all our hearts. But he doesn't want us to grow discouraged and hopeless in that search. He says, I'll be found by you. And so when you find yourself a little worried, when you look around, spend a little more time in prayer. Spend more time in seeking. Read scriptures that build your faith. Go to the Word of God. Lean into Christ. Set your anchor deep into Him. God has good plans for you. God's good plans for us during this COVID crisis took us away from Africa. We wanted to participate in missions, but now how are we going to do it? The way forward wasn't immediately clear. We wanted to do more for missions. We understood the critical need that theological education plays in Africa, and we wanted to be a part of the solution, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and then God opened a door with Africa's Hope. So ever since June of 2020, I've been working with Africa's Hope. I work from home in a little town called Merriman. Anyone know where Merriman is? Yeah, out, out by Gordon between uh, Valentine and Shadron. Almost six-hour drive from here, not quite. And so I work from home every, every day, and I'm involved with designing, editing, writing, training materials for the Bible school. So some of these Discovery Series books, I've been working on one on Old Testament history and poetic literature. And I don't do the original writing, but we, it comes to me. And then I'm not just looking for periods and commas and things like that. I, I'm looking for, is it structured well? Is this paragraph easy for, for people to read, or are they going to get hung up somewhere? And then theologically, is this scripture what the best scripture to support this point? It, does this work uh, for explaining it in Africa. There are times where we can just say something in the United States and it works well, but in Africa there's been some false teachings, and when they he hear what we just said, they're headed off in this other direction. No, we don't want to go. Don't go that way. So we need to word it the right way so that they don't get uh, mistaken. So sometimes I, I catch things like that. I'm wor I work on an expository preaching book, working on one on pastoral epistles. When I first started, we did this discipleship book called First Steps, and that was a lot of fun to work on. New Believers curriculum, quick uh, lessons to tell people the basics of the faith, and then they took it and they put it onto this player that can be charged in the sun, and they've also got the Bible on here, and they can listen to this thing even if they can't read, even if they can't see, or if they're in a Muslim country and they don't want people to know what they're doing, they can put in their earbuds and be growing in their faith or exploring Christianity without anybody 
knowing ar around them what they're doing. This is a really fun tool that we did. Um, we talked about the needs in Africa, and we said, you know what? Our Bible schools need strong libraries. Uh, we need to make sure that their libraries are strong. And one of the things for that is having a good librarian. And many times the librarian is just a person who's willing. I'll do it. But they don't know anything about a library. They don't have public libraries in their communities. Their schools probably most of the time don't have libraries. And so they've never had something. And we said, we need to, to come up with a book that would teach them the basics of a library. And I said, well, I worked at the library at Trinity Bible College, at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. I have about seven years of experience. Would you like me to be on the team? They said, would you write it? <laughs> and so with Jeff Nelson, another missionary, we, we wrote Library Essentials. It's been translated now into French. That's super fun to have a book translated in French. I got to go to a training in Kenya with librarians from five countries and uh, teach through some of this material. Jeff was just in Africa, in French-speaking Africa, in Togo, and he was teaching. He said he had 28 librarians from 13 countries that he was teaching with this book. And there's lots more to say about all that Africa's Hope does, but then we'd be here uh, for a couple more hours, I think, if I were telling you everything that we're doing. But we found a place where our, our particular passions and talents aligned with a need, and it's such an exciting thing when those things converge, when your passions and your strengths come together and, and they, they come and meet a need in God's kingdom. And I want you to know that each of you has a part to play. Romans 12 reminds us that we don't all have the same function in the body of Christ. It's easy to so get, get so focused on one part of the body, the people who are the missionaries and the pastors and the evangelists and, and the people who, who maybe lead in the worship team or who are just really good at personally sharing with people their faith. And we think, well, I'm not them, so I don't have a place in the body. And you have an important role in God's kingdom. Your passions, your specific, specific gifts and 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 calling all come together that there's a unique place for you to play a role in God's kingdom. And if you neglect your calling, the whole body of Christ is going to suffer. So you need to do what God made you to do. You need to do your part. I want you to be encouraged that your acts of kindness, the friendships that you invest in, your Christian witness to your co-workers and your family, they matter. The way you use your personal gifts and abilities to honor Christ is more significant than you can probably see. You are so important. And so I want to encourage you that God has a special work for you as well, even if you can't always see it. I'd like us to come to a time of closing. You can go ahead and come up and, and play. Where I want us to just reflect on what you've heard today and what the Holy Spirit might be putting in your heart. If we go to a service and we just listen, it's all kind of passive. We, we can forget in another hour what, what it was that was, yeah, that was good, but what was it about again? But if we, we take another step and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to take away today? What is it that you're speaking specifically to my heart? How do you want me to take what I've heard today and put it into action? There are some of you that it really hit your heart when we talked about worry and about trusting God. 
And I believe for some of you that's the takeaway today is that the Holy Spirit is saying, don't worry. Don't worry. Put your trust in me. My hope is in the Lord. I can count on him. He will never let me go. For others of you, when I began speaking about your role in the body of Christ, you felt this stirring in your heart. Yeah, yeah, I, I really could do more. There are gifts and talents that I have that I'm not using for God's kingdom. And so in this time of reflection, maybe as you bow your head, say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do? What's the one step I need to do today? And so I encourage you, just, just make the place where you're sitting an altar. Bow your head, close your eyes, and take a moment with Jesus. to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you fill each person here with faith and an ability to trust you no matter how high the waves get, no matter how much the wind is blowing, that their anchor would be set in you. you'd give them strength to weather whatever storm comes their way and trust in you no matter what comes. We also ask for miracles, God, that in the midst of these storms, it would provide your peace. You can calm any storm with a word. Lord, so we pray for healing. We pray for financial provision. We pray for jobs to come through. We pray for relationships to be healed, for there to be restoration, God. We pray for our country, Lord, help this nation to be filled with people who are seeking after you, to be filled with people who are full of the Holy Spirit and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. We pray for there to be revival in our churches and that many, many people would come to find hope and life in you. We pray for the Ukraine, God, that even though there's difficulties and challenges, that your kingdom would come. We pray for peace, that you'd bring a resolution to this conflict, that you'd protect people's lives. Pray all across the world that there would be peace, that there would be churches that are thriving and sharing your word, that there would be people coming to you, Jesus. Lord, we come back to this issue of what is our place in all of this. 
Holy Spirit, I pray you'd put it in people's hearts to say, hey, this is what I can do. Here's what I'm good at. And I'm going to use that to be a part of the body of Christ. I pray you'd help them know what it is that they are supposed to take, what action step today to move beyond just hearing something into putting it into practice. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for this opportunity to, to share with you. I want to encourage you, if you felt like God was leading you to take a step in the kingdom of God, talk to pastor about that. I bet there's a way that he could either encourage you or that he could help you see how you could take your passion and put it into practice uh, in this body here. Amen. Um, we're going to take up a love offering for them, and then we're going to let uh, Denise lead us in that uh, closing song. I'm just going to give you a minute to prepare. So just some things about Africa's Hope. When we were in Springfield prior to moving here, uh, got to know the founder of that. His, na his name was John York, and just a great missionary and a passion to, to get resources into the hands of pastors in Africa. And sometimes we take that for granted. You go look at my office and, and the books that I have there. Um, when I was in Belize teaching, that's been a few years now, but um, one of the missionaries there took me during the weekend, it was a two-week teaching assignment, took me back into the jungle to preach one weekend. And so we went back there. It's still where they had thatched roofs. They had tin on their sides and a thatched roof. They would have open fire. That's how they cooked. The smoke went out through the hole in the roof. Um, they had one power line, like a, an extension cord, go into their house. That was their power if they had that. And then maybe just uh, like one garden hose go into their house for water, okay? Uh, that was their plumbing. Um, but we went to a church preaching a church. It was just open air kind of type of thing. It had a roof. But... Um, and the pastor would have to ride a bicycle one hour to get to where he would preach. And so that's where we spoke that Sunday. Um, but I think he only had his Bible and maybe one other book. Okay. And probably didn't have much of a Bible college education. Um, but he was willing to go and to do what God had called him to do. And so Africa's Hope really wants, they give him like a package and a lot of the books, at least back in the day. So, but they want to get them the materials so that they can have a library and so they can teach the truth and teach it well. Scripture calls us to rightly handle the word of truth. So and uh, so it's kind of cool. And Luke and Bethany are working with my cousin, Jeff Nelson. So I'm part of the family there too. So. Amen. So whatever God places on your heart, we want to be a blessing to them. And uh, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give once more. And to further your kingdom, not only in Crete, in this area, but also in Africa. And, um, and to see the kingdom advance there. They have a bold vision there, Lord God. And um, we just pray that you would, uh, we just speak into that, Lord God, that you would um, raise up laborers to work not only in Africa, but across our great nation as well. And to uh, see your kingdom advance. We give you the thanks and the praise your name we ask. Amen. Amen. And I think we have ushers.
And Father, this morning we just pray that your um, blessing would go with us, be with Luke and Bethany and the work you've called them to do, Lord God. And uh, thank you for the opportunity of uh, partnering with them, Lord. And Father, go with us this week. Let us be salt and light and uh, let us further your kingdom here on earth. Encourage us, lift us up. Let us be the church. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your precious and wonderful name. And everybody said, that was a little weak. Everybody said, there we go. All right. Hey, greet each other as you leave and uh, shake hands. Luke and Bethany will probably be back there. And uh, uh, so take a moment to talk with them. God bless you.